Episode number 177 of the Living Deliberately Together podcast. Hi, this is Shira Gura. Welcome to my podcast. If you're new to me, just so that you know who you're listening to, I am a well-being coach and creator of the Unstuck Method and the Clear Way, two groundbreaking self-help tools that promote your emotional health and well-being. I'm the author of the books, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being, and The Clear Way, Five Simple Steps to Be Mentally Prepared for Anything. Through my coaching, courses, and community, I guide people to get clear on what they want and get unstuck from what's holding them back so that they can go on living more deliberately. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today, and now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So as you may know, I have already mentioned in the last two episodes, I am facilitating a free challenge inside of the Living Deliberately Together Facebook group, and it's been incredibly enlightening, both personally and professionally. And so in this episode and next week and the week after and probably for many weeks to come, I'm going to be sharing with you insights that I'm gaining from facilitating and participating in the challenge. The truth is, I believe there is so much growth happening inside of this challenge that I have a feeling I'm going to run it three or four times a year because it will offer opportunities for the members inside of this group to focus on a new area of their life that they would like to transform and have a community to hold them accountable for making that shift. So it's really exciting, and I'm so glad I have this idea of doing this challenge inside of the group. Okay, so before I go into this episode, I just want to share with you the end of the story that I shared in last week's episode regarding my son, who is attending a new school, and he's a bit shy, and he's wanting to create friendships at that school, but he was stuck on fear of rejection. You know, like, what if he asks a kid to have a catch and the kid says no? Then what, right? What do you do in that scenario? And so he's been hiding from that potential scenario, which basically means he's not creating what he wants to create. He's not creating friendships. And so I had a conversation with him and he got clear And the very next day, he brought two baseball gloves and a ball with him to school. Remember, in Israel, baseball is like a novelty. And he committed to being mentally strong and accepting no matter how the kids would respond. And he reached out to one kid to see if he would want to have a catch with my son. And that kid responded, apparently with not a lot of enthusiasm, but responded with like, okay, And they started to have a catch on the grass. And then apparently the other boys saw this and each of them asked if they could try. And that's what ended up happening. Each of the boys ended up having a catch with my son. So can you picture like that transformation? One day there's a new kid at school sitting off on his own during the breaks because he's stuck on fear of rejection. And the next day, all of the boys want to have a catch with him. Did his outer environment change? No, of course not. But what did change? His inner environment, right? His mind, his decision to commit to being the kid that he wants to be. 
And that changed everything. And he now seems to go to school with a little bit more confidence and a smile. And sometimes he brings his baseball gear and sometimes he doesn't. And by the way, I think what helped him in my conversation that I had with him that night was letting him know where and how I face and how I cope with rejection. Because I told him that in my work, I make offers all the time, right? I offer my one-on-one coaching. I offer group coaching. I offer courses and retreats and coach trainings and workshops and speaking engagements, right? I put myself out there all of the time offering different things to the world. Now, does everyone take me up on my offers 100% of the time? No way, not even close. The truth is the online business world suggests that somewhere between one to 3% of people that are offered whatever it is you are offering are going to buy. One to 3%. Do you know what that means? That means I can offer my course to 100 people and only one person may buy it. A hundred offers. That's a lot of potential rejections. But I keep doing it and I keep showing up because I know that what I have is valuable. I am being confident no matter how many times I get rejected. And I dedicated an episode already to this concept of rejection. So I'm not going to go more into this now. But my point is is that because I was able to share with my son how I get rejected every single day, he realized that he can probably deal with it too. I truly believe that's what gave him the impetus to be daring because he realized getting rejected isn't really such a big deal. It only is if you make it a big deal. And this is why we are living deliberately together and not just living deliberately. It was because of my story that he was able to see himself and create the change. Had I not shared my personal story with him, I would have just been more like, you know, didactic in nature, trying to teach him a lesson. But instead, I was sharing a story that I thought would support him, and it did. Okay. So we're going to get into the episode now, but please stick around until the end where I am going to make an offer to you. In fact, I'm not going to just make one offer. I'm going to make three offers to you. And I am going in clear knowing that the majority of you won't take me up on the offers. And I am totally fine with that. Okay, so when you get triggered by something or somebody... In my opinion and my personal experience, there are only two possible ways that you can act in response to a trigger. And before I share that with you, take a moment and think about a recent situation in your life where someone yelled at you or someone did something to you that you didn't like. If you could create two entirely different categories of responding to that person, how would you describe those two possibilities? What I have concluded in my own life with how I respond to triggers is that there are two distinct ways. One of them I would call childhood reactions, and the other I would call adult responses. That's it. It's always going to be one of the two. 
a childhood reaction or an adult response. And this week's episode is going to be dedicated to what childhood reactions are, where we often show up reacting in that way, and why we do this. Next week, I will focus on what adult responses are and why we may want to start cultivating those more in our lives and how they can positively impact us and our relationships. Okay, so we as adults were not plopped down on earth as adults, right? Rather, we were born as babies and grew slowly over time into adults. And when we were babies, we reacted very appropriately as babies and toddlers do. When we were hungry, we screamed, right, to get attention. When we needed our diaper changed, we would cry. When someone took our toy away, maybe we bit them. When we weren't given things that we wanted, like immediately, we would whine. When we felt like we weren't being listened to, we would have a tantrum until someone would finally pay attention to us. When someone, I don't know, stole a cookie from our plate, we would steal one back from them, right? Just to show them. These are examples of childhood reactions. Childhood reactions are defined by their automatic reactions, right? By their sense of blaming things outside of you for your own emotional well-being. They are defined by this sense of powerlessness, this sense of rebellion, and a general sense of feeling like you have no control at all over your emotions, right? Like whatever is going on outside of me is causing me to feel this way. And the only way I can be happy again is when those things outside of me change. And this way of acting was so developmentally appropriate when we were children, right? We actually had to act in these ways in order to survive. Like if we didn't cry for food, no one would have known we were hungry. And if we didn't scream when our diaper was full, then we'd really be in big trouble. And what happens with our lower mind specifically is that it gets used to behaving in certain ways, especially if our behaviors are rewarded. So if I cry and I get food, then I know in the future all I need to do is cry when I need something. If no one is taking me out of my crib and I start screaming and someone comes, I learn that if I scream, people will listen to me. And over time, we internalize and translate those behaviors as we age. We just do them in different and more age-appropriate ways. So an eight-year-old may be singing out loud, even though his brother is asking him very politely, can you please stop singing? And the reason why the eight-year-old is singing out loud is because yesterday... His brother was singing out loud, and when he asked nicely, would you please stop, he didn't, right? So his reaction is coming from this automatic place of what is happening outside of him, and it, it basically is controlling how he is feeling in that moment. There's no questions asked. It's like, obviously, he's going to do the rebellious thing because that's what a child does. Or if I ask my 12-year-old to take out the trash, and he responds that, his younger brother never helps. Again, it's this automatic response from the lower brain that reacts in a way to protect you. 
It's a very primitive kind of response, not a thought through rational response, but more of a deep emotional childhood-like response. And because most children don't learn how to manage their minds and their emotions, and in fact, most adults don't learn how to manage their minds and their emotions, many of the ways that we react to things that trigger us are not very different from the childhood reactions we did as kids. They're just different issues like work or money or adult relationships, but our responses to them often are simply childhood reactions. And we all do this. Every single person listening to this podcast does this. And it's important to admit it because when you stay in that place of childhood reacting, you cannot evolve yourself further. You cannot because you are powerless, basically, in that moment. You don't have any power because you're putting all of your power in the hands of somebody else outside of you. You cannot be happy. You cannot be at peace. You cannot be free. You are always dependent on others for your own emotional well-being. Let me give you a couple of fresh examples. So inside the Living Deliberately Together Facebook group, as I mentioned, I am facilitating a challenge. The challenge that I am personally doing this month is committing to being a loving wife. And the reason I decided to commit to this is because I want to improve my relationship with my husband and I wanted to see what would happen if I commit to 30 days of being loving no matter what. Sounds easy, right? Well, it's not because of this concept of childhood reactions. So the first week of the challenge was amazing. I was so committed to being loving and I was giving my husband attention like I haven't in a long time and I was caring and I was kind and I was patient. I was offering kisses unconditionally and things were really going great. And then one day I had a bad night's sleep. It's like 115 degrees here and I woke up groggy and I had no energy to be loving. And my husband didn't sleep well that night either and he was groggy and I was experiencing him as even being short or rude with me. And my mind immediately went to, why do I need to make all the effort? Why do I need to be loving when he's not doing anything? That's not fair, right? Perfect example of a childhood reaction. Here's another example. Last night, my husband and I went on our weekly date to the beach. There was traffic on the way, and by the time we got there, it was like 7 o'clock. And sundown is about 7.30. Usually we arrive earlier, so we have time to still be in the daylight and enjoy being in the water together. But last night when we arrived, it already started feeling cool. And as we got out of the car and started walking towards the beach, my husband asked me if I was planning to go in the water. And I told him I wasn't sure, but that I would test the water with my feet. In the meantime, he was already like disrobed down to his bathing suit and he walked into the water and he kept walking and he kept walking until I noticed he was already like swimming far out. And my childhood reaction was like, hey, wait a minute. What about me? Aren't we on a date? Don't you care about me? This is not how a date is supposed to look like, right? I was just still testing the water. He was supposed to be waiting for me. Let me offer you some other childhood reactions that I have seen or experienced. 
Like when someone is acting in a way that you don't like and your childhood reaction is like, well, why should I be nice to him when they're not being nice to me? Or when your boss isn't being very acknowledging or praising you and you're thinking, I wish he suffers. He doesn't deserve anything better. Or when you see a sink full of dishes and you consciously choose to leave them there because you want to prove a point to somebody in your family. Or when you ask for advice from a friend and she responds in a way that you didn't expect or that you didn't want to hear and you choose to cut off the relationship. Or a friend who hasn't been in touch for a long time and instead of reaching out to her, which is what you want to do in your heart, you purposefully don't reach out because you're waiting for her to make the first move. Or what about when you're at a meal with others and you're done eating and someone else orders dessert and you're like, oh, I want that too, even though your body is saying you've had enough. Or what if you're committed to stopping drinking or stopping smoking and you're at a party and everyone else is drinking or smoking and you're like, you know, people are going to say something about me or I just want to have one glass or I just want to have one cigarette. It's really not a big deal. Those are just some more examples of childhood reaction scenarios that might resonate with you. So childhood reactions often feel fun or at the minimum, they feel very, very right. You feel very righteous about acting that way in that moment. But the thing is, childhood reactions don't move you forward in life because your happiness in those moments when you're acting like a child, it's always dependent on someone else. It's always dependent on their behavior or their words or their actions. Childhood reactions only keep you stuck. You can't possibly grow and learn and evolve when you are constantly acting like a child. What those reactions will do is keep you in the same pattern of acting in that same way over and over and over again. I encourage you to honestly look at your life and see where you have childhood reactions. Where do you whine or cry or blame or attack or rebel, or retract, or any other way that you've learned to do as a child, and you still do today, whether it's conscious or not, as a way to get attention, as a way to maybe hurt someone else, because you feel right in doing so. I encourage you to think about all of your relationships, even the relationship you have with yourself. I encourage you to take out a pen and paper, or take out your journal, and start to write out all of the places you express yourself through childhood reactions. This is not an opportunity to berate yourself, but rather it's an opportunity to start waking up, to look at your life honestly, see who you are or who you've become in different areas of your life, and where you want to start making conscious changes. It is so important to recognize where you do this if you want to become another person because living deliberately is not about childhood reactions, but it's about making adult responses. It's about you taking 100% responsibility for who you are and who you want to be. It's not about being dependent on others for your own happiness, 
but rather taking full responsibility for your own happiness, for your own emotional well-being. And I'm going to speak more about that next week. Okay, so before I sign off, I would like to just offer three things to you, just like I said I would in the beginning of this episode. Number one, I am doing a giveaway this month to one listener who leaves me an iTunes review. The winner will receive a gift of his or her choice, one of my books, one of my decks of cards, or a one-on-one session with me. And to date, not one person has left me a review this month. Oh my. Now, (laughs) I just want to take a moment and let you know there are about 4,000 downloads of this podcast every single month. If you are a regular listener, if you receive value from this free podcast every week, please consider leaving me a review. It's a simple task. It takes about two minutes of your time. If you don't know how to do it, you can go to my website, shiragura.com forward slash iTunes, where I share a step-by-step process of exactly how to leave a review. And I would really appreciate it. Your review, it's not only going to make me feel good knowing who is out there and who's listening to my podcast, but there's a really good chance it's going to help another person in the world find this podcast. So if nothing else, I encourage you to leave a review for that reason. That's my first offer. Second offer, I will be launching the Living Deliberately Coach Training Program in October and just a few weeks away. This training is for people who want to help others live more deliberately. A few years ago, I launched the Getting Unstuck Coach Training Program, and I have revamped it and expanded it to become the Living Deliberately Coach Training Program. I am looking for six people to go through this beta program. If you are interested, email me as soon as possible, shira at shiragura.com. Finally, I am interested in opening another group program called The Journey. This is for three people who are interested in working with me on a weekly basis in a group setting where you will be challenged to work on being the person that you want to become and receive support and coaching from me as you move along your journey. So again, three offers. One, to leave an iTunes review for this podcast And this, by the way, is even if you don't have an iPhone, I don't have an iPhone, but I leave iTunes reviews for the podcasts that I listen to directly from my computer. Number two, the coach training. If you are interested or if you know of somebody who is interested, contact me right away. And number three, if you are interested to work with me in a group setting, of course, working with me one-on-one is also an option. But if you are interested to work with me in a group setting, contact me to receive more details. Okay, my friends, thank you so much for joining me today and wishing you a wonderful week ahead. As always, I look forward to living deliberately together with you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Living Deliberately Together podcast. It is my honor and privilege to be able to show up here each week for you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to start applying this work to your life, you have to check out the Living Deliberately Blueprint. 
It's my online self-paced course, which will teach you my tools and everything you need to know about living deliberately and actually manifesting it. Head over to my website now, shiragura.com for more details. I look forward to starting this journey with you.